Hello, and welcome to Destroy Before Listening, episode 5, which is the conversation between myself, Pete Byrne, and Mike Vest, who's most famous for playing guitar in the band Bong since 2005, and most recently in Ozo. He's also played in Ramsey's, Eleven Paranoias, Drunk in Hell, and Mountain Hand. There's countless other things that he's been involved with, but it's basically a case of looking at discogs if you want them to know more about that sort of thing. Uh, Mike and I went to the same school together. Uh, he was two years below, and Lee Culver was two years ahead of me at that point. And I actually didn't know either when I was at school. It was only like three or four years later that I knew both. Um, I first met Mike via uh, Rob Woodcock, and then just more of the early bomb gigs and general like hanging out, you know? Uh, I love Mike, I've always got on well with him, um, it's great to get to speak to him. Um, and the track at the end is by a band we did together in 2012 called Corpse Fuckers, which is like a very brief uh, punk band. Uh, anyway, you should be able to get this on uh, most platforms, so please uh, subscribe and just share it about to anyone who might be interested. And there's also an Instagram account, and that's at Destroy Before Listening, where like relevant uh, photos, uh, pictures, flyers, whatever will be posted. So, okay, thanks. Twenty twenty, I figured out it must be the fifteen-year anniversary of Bong. Yes. Uh, I know you couldn't quite remember if it was or not. Well, I mean, who can? (laughs) I can. Well, Dean can, he thinks, anyway. But no, it's because there's a flyer I've got that's the... uh, It must be from... the one. Yeah, it must be the first or second Bong show. And it's it's 2005. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds about right. God, it's been that long. My God. I know. (laughs) No, just the, the... what you think about like that? Uh, well, I don't know what you think about that now, and like if you could possibly. No, it's pretty uh, good. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't deny like the, the idea of like the one band who was least likely to succeed <laughs> in the history of bands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean to be honest though, like yeah. it took us a while to get it together to like work out what we had. You know, yeah. like, it wasn't, like, straight away we knew, like, you know, like, we did some records that weren't, like, you know, we, we have done some records that we would agree on didn't really pan out as what we wanted. You know, like, it took a while for people to get used to the idea, like, when we were recording albums, like, early on and that, if we didn't record it, like, Man Are You Too Shy, you know, that one come out, like... It's it's just it's it's hard to think back like your head state, you know, because I didn't really know anything about music production really back then. Yeah, I mean I did, but like you know, being in a studio was like, oh my god, we're in a studio. Well, explain explaining to someone uh, that you just going to do. Well, this is what we're going to do, and how do you record it then when someone's got no? uh, I don't know. They just think you're weird. Uh, How do you uh, like put forth your yeah. idea or your concept where do I uh, begin with this uh, so that, that took a while Like, so what ended up happening was especially on Man of You Too Shy 
I mean, I listen to it now and it's good, like, but it's sort of like, but it's always with hindsight. You always listen back to stuff and you're kind of like, yeah. Uh, if I knew what I know now, oh, yeah, this would sound like loads better. Yeah. But then that's not how it works, really. Sort it's of like madness, and it? You just send yourself completely mad with it, you know. Yeah. But it turned into like a, but the thing is, what happened to that is I remember is a lot of concentration went into the, the zither that Ben was using, you know, the shy budget. So everything was sort yeah. of like mixed in that sort. So when it finally came to be, it sounded more like a prog rock band in a way <laughs> rather than a heavy band. <laughs> yeah. So we so we were kind of like, we've basically made like a world music album. <laughs> I mean, that's just for us though. Like, you know, but it still gets considered one of our better records. Most yeah. people love that record and that's been reissued the most out of all of them and with varying degrees of whatever's. Yeah. And that's probably our biggest selling, to be honest. Which is banana. No, maybe not. Maybe thought in existence. I mean, I don't know really. So, but but from what I can tell. So people like the heavy prog. Well, I mean, it's not that heavy though. <laughs> Because I got carried away with tape delays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like to be to be honest, man, like it's so funny. Like we're better now in the studio. Like, like once I've finally got Mike to do something, yeah. And then we've got stuff going, and that it's like everyone's. You know, after fifteen years, you would have thought you'd be sort of in the zone. But back then, none of us really knew, you know, what we could do, and we, so it was just like a case of messing around. You know, until yeah. we got it right. Like Manny Utsushai, we'd only wrote the one song. The second song on the album, we wrote it in the studio, sort of. Yeah. You know, so. So but with it being with it being fifteen years old, it's kind of mad. Like, would it like, would it have taken? Sorry, sorry, would it have taken say five years into it to even get anywhere near to yeah, thinking probably. that you know what you're doing? <laughs> well, it did. Yeah. If you think about it, yeah. like we didn't really. Well, we all had. We were all like. Yeah, we, we didn't, like, it wasn't really... I mean, it's just a different world now with music. Like, it's changed so much over the past 20 years, like, the way things go on in 15, 10 years, even five years. Yeah. So, like, back then, it was just, like, you just, like, you know, it was just, like, you didn't know. Go and play London for, like, a tenner. Mm-hmm. Have a great time, you know? Yeah. Be like, what? Be like, what? I wouldn't even dream of doing that now. Not like guarantee like, guarantees now. Well, I was going to ask um, you about about the promoter side of things and how you've seen the uh, that end of things change. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just booking agents now. That's a problem. It's like it seems to be that if you want to play gigs, you have to have a booking booking agent. Okay. Like in the booking agents uh, are pretty much only interested in something that's already big. I mean, yeah. it's not exactly like new information. It's not like, guess what's changed in music? It's exactly yeah. the same. I just feel it's infested the underground with this. And now everything's quite corporate. You know, like if you see like festivals, like, you know, like psych festivals and oh, 100% DIY and all that. And you're like, well, why is it exactly the same line across the board with all these festivals? It's because they use the same booking agent. I mean, I can understand if you're a promoter, like, to be honest, imagine you've been promoted for 10 years, right, and you're absolutely sick, sick of bands. And I, sick of I can give you six artists. months worth of bands from the same label and, like, you know, they're quite hip at the minute. Do you want to put them on? 
Yeah. If you were like a promoter, you'd probably be like, well, yeah, I don't really need to do anything. The book the book sorts out all the nonsense. You've just got to put the gig on, really, generally, and do the promotion and that. So yeah. you can understand, but then, but it just cripples everyone that doesn't have one. Like if you're in a band that doesn't fit into a genre, you know, like if you're not like a rock yeah. band inspired by techno or like, you know, like a psych band that is, it sounds exactly like Mogwai or something, right. then you're not really going to get a look in. I mean, I've tried, like, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like I'm sat on my ivy, I'm not, you know, sat in my tower passing judgment. You know, I've tried to get bookers and stuff like that and stuff. And it's just well, it really is- worked out. Is have you ever been approached by booking agency or, or like nah, ma- or man- management or something like that? Okay. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, I mean, uh, nah, not really. I mean, sometimes I've been told to get in touch rather than yeah. So and then I'll get in touch oh. and then they'll be like, "Can you send me all this stuff?" I send them all this stuff and then Would apparently th- they're a booker and then they don't book any gigs and then they get annoyed because I book gigs. And I'm like, but you're not booking any gigs. <laughs> no, so, no, just after a while, you're like, this is just a bit. To, to you, it, w- it wouldn't make a difference, or you don't not something you would ever seek out from this point. I don't know. No. I mean, to be honest, it's kind of hard to work it out. Really, I think it would make a difference massively because, yeah. like, I've been I've been booking everything of all the bands really, and I get well sick of it. And it yeah. can really, we can really kill your taste to make any music, like. Because it's mm. so unmusical. <laughs> like, yeah. uh-huh. It's unbelie- unbelievable. Like, you know, just trying to be like, can I play a gig? They're like, nah. And you're like, great. Uh, can we play a gig maybe down the line with anything? They're like, yeah, I'll get back in touch with you. They never get back in touch. And you're like, great. And then you just go through the motions, really. And I mean, you have to understand that a lot of my bands and that of all the things aren't exactly that marketable. Like that's what you notice the most of. Like if you want to list like bands that get a lot of the bills, it's because they're sort of like they have something more like on the image front of things right. rather than actually sounding like a good band. You know, like whenever I see like bong promo shoots, I always laugh. Because it's like even like when we get like nice pictures done, we still just look. You know what like, I mean? Well, yeah. uh, okay. How how do you think uh, imagery is everything? Right. Yeah. It's part of the branding and that. Isn't it? How is it now then? If uh, you know, you, you, people come expecting you to be, you know, that like long hair and, fo- and beards, wizards, you know, and then yeah. like you see you singer and stuff. Dave. Yeah, yeah. That, Dave yeah, now is just like. Weird. No beard, no no hair, you know, it's like, know, it's a totally different image now. To be fair, though, I don't think it's really mattered that much. It's oh, not like good. we've lost, it's not like that's, we've lost that's good, fans. Yeah. That's good, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, if we had, if we had lost fans, I'd be probably glad to get shot of them. Yeah. Because, like, people like, don't really need them. Like, it doesn't sound they really know anything about music. They're worrying about what a band looks like. Yeah. But that's kind of what it's about, though. You know, like, that's why bands spend so much on photos. Like, I could never understand it. And then mm-hmm. I, I, over the years, I started to realise that, like, it's more in the presentation of a band that kind of makes it work. I mean, obviously, the music's got to be good in a way. It might, it might not be to my taste. I wouldn't say it was shit, but just sort of like when you're hearing a band, like a rock band, and then they sort of like, oh, we decided to use... 
sort of like the idea of techno to inspire our mixes. I was like, why didn't you just say you wanted to be played on the radio? Why are you wasting everyone's time? Yeah. <laughs> like, talking this rubbish. <laughs> so it's just a preference, really. But I think it's visual, you know, like a lot of stuff, you know. Like I've seen some bands that look mint. <laughs> Yeah. But just sound sound but just yeah. boring to us. Well it's not shit. I mean they can play, but it's just boring to me, you know. Yeah. Like really cliched almost, where you're like, oh yeah, anyway, but that, but that's just a preference on it. You know what I mean? It's just but it's yeah. imagery. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's a relation to the consumer. So like, you know, we we live in a world now where people um sort of like think, you know, like, you know, think the first Melvin's album came out four years ago or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's weird talking to people like mm -hmm. this new generation. It's because everything's right in front. So you've never had it come out and get it, you know? Like it's not, it's all just on YouTube and that. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to understand in a way, like, but that's how they but consume it. It's context. So, yeah, I've uh, thought about this before because uh, you can listen at this point, you can, you know, you can listen to all music before this point, but if you're only... Like if at a much younger age, then there's a different. Uh, Must be overwhelming in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine so. It's hard to pick out what uh, what you're going to go for. But I mean, I guess there's always kids who are going to like uh, gravitate towards certain things. But I, yeah, I just I, yeah, it's it's hard to compare. It's hard to compare mm. with. Speak. It's weird. People, people I've I've spoken to already and things and just. People my age as well, like yeah. you know, like I'm I'm 38. I was talking yeah. to this lad who was like 35 in yeah. in Newcastle and that, and he was talking to me about music and that. And I was like, "How old are you?" And he says, oh, "I'm 35." And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, just like he just felt like he was in his 20s. That's all. Like, Marie, I don't know, yeah. just the way he talked about it, like the way that he was. You know, it's like, oh, have you ever heard this band called Yob and that? And I'm like, it, yeah, it's a like, good band though. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I just, just meant from like an idea of like, yeah. oh, this is what you this is what you're excited to tell me about a band that like, like I know what their past three albums are. And I've not actually heard them. Like you know, you, you see the name every you know. I, I don't know, just a different. I don't know. I respect his excitement. I suppose it's probably just being older now. And you just kind of like being old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I know. Uh, I think maybe I miss the excitement of hearing yeah. new things. Yeah, well, here here's the, the I think we we talked about uh, before. It's like the initial kind of heavy music yeah. that you were exposed to and got into, and you were into Around yoga. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> that was that was pretty, well. Good times, man. Good times. Good that tunes. Was, that was yeah. It was kind of like a test. That was the test. I mean. Those I never forget that. I've still got that seven inch peep, man. Yeah. Like in my, <laughs> I, that it, it's blazing that one track. Oh, it's on great. Side. It's great. Oh, that's seven inch. Uh, that's seven inch, man. It's lost as well. Nobody, I mean, they did release something, Buzz Oven again. They did an anthology or something. Yeah. But like that, that seven inch, like I bet nobody, yeah, I yeah. remember talking to someone about that. I was like, oh, we really like Buzz Oven. I was like, yeah, that's seven inch. Nah. Yeah. It's like, great. You just want to like <laughs> put your windows through listening to that track. It's just yeah, it's so heavy, yeah. so heavy. Just pissed anyway, off. I, yeah, yeah. Just but, great, great sound. But that that stuff, the slut, there's you've got the slut. Like 
I suppose what is sludge music now, which is uh, it's basically metal. It's kind of people, <laughs> a lot of people scream, screaming over stuff, but then yeah, doom seems yeah. se- doom seems to be more like people singing over stuff these days. So I don't know the uh, well. I mean, you, you know, you've got like trad. <laughs> you know, I was laughing. I talk about doom music, like I always did. I just yeah. thought it was all a joke, really. But the yeah. thing was, is, is like, you know, but the thing is, like, uh, I think, like, what, like, if I, if I, if I think rightly, what I used to love in, like, sort of sludge, sludge punk or whatever, was sort of like the licks and that. Cause, like, I, if I remember rightly, Iron Monkey used to be great songwriters in, yeah. in, in those sort of bands and that. And they used to write, and same with, like, I hate God to a degree, after, like, their first album that come out, and it was the second one that come out in the name of Suffering or something. Yeah, they had like all these amazing. They were just like well written, put almost like punky songs slowed down, but they were like they had like licks in it. They were like sort of like tunes, right? Yeah, and I, I think they, I they think had, they had the you grooves. Know what I mean? They had the yeah. grooves. Yeah, same as sixteen as well as another. Yeah, band, like, pretty it, much. It, 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 like pretty earlier sixteens. Yeah. So that's what I remember was sort of like. To be honest, though, I think a lot of stuff to do with bongo was from like crowd rock generally. For me, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember rightly, because at the time, right, I I remember just starting to get into like less metal and stuff. So I was starting to get into like Ashra and Khan and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And, and then it was like the sleep nose was like, so it was sleep really. But then after that, after I started thinking about it, instead of going like, being actually like writing riffs and then I, I started to get into loads of drone and that back then and then jazz finger gigs and that stuff like that I think anyway if I think back I mean I can't actually pinpoint exactly what happened but that's sort of how we went in that other direction and that rather yeah. than be, being like writing sleep songs I remember we tried to write songs that actually had like proper riffs in them and that and it always sounded rubbish <laughs> it did it just didn't sound right like, you know, I mean, we've done a lot of stuff back in the day which didn't sound very good, like, I mean, it's not like it came, like, right away, like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about how long ago it was, like, I was what, in my early 20s? Yeah. I didn't really see that one coming, you know, where you were like, uh, it's like, all right, Mike Mike and uh, Dave, you know, are going to do a band, and I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> it just didn't, uh, I just didn't think it would, it, it would it just seems nobody un- did unlikely. <laughs> nobody, we didn't unlikely that you would be kind of uh, you know playing to like three thousand people at a festival in Holland. Yeah, you're like well, you're like yeah. what? <laughs> you're like what? Yeah, or like uh, Mike. Mike hasn't showed up, so you have to get Robin on drums. Yeah, he was back. good. Nice, great. We're, well, back to to road to roadburn as well as like how did you um, end up doing that stuff and they they. Um, Kind of a, a rela- touch. relationship with. Uh, they got in with, touch. Yeah, like they they got in touch totally out of the blue. Like, and I've I've no idea how it happened. Like, really, he just he was just out of the blue. Sent me, I can't remember. He just sent me an email or something, just saying would Bong like to play the next Roadburn festival. I didn't even know what Roadburn was, so I think at the time, but I didn't because like at that point, man, you gotta remember, like I wasn't. Like, 
you know, we used to listen to all that sort of stuff like when we were younger, really. Like so like by the time it got to like the time when Bong started playing like big gigs, I would have been like in my late twenties by then. Yeah. So you know, you'd already different vibe. You know, so it's a whole different vibe and that. So like when they got in touch, I didn't know who they were. I mean, it's kind of funny actually because when it happened, I was like, oh yeah, we'll go. And they were saying, we'll cover all your travel, we'll give you all. This is the first time really where I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And then then they sent me like how much they were going to pay with, right? But because at the time, I mean, I would have been, I would have, this is like maybe 10 years ago now, maybe less. Mm-hmm. But I was quite green at the time, so when I got it, I thought that was the bill that they charged us to go <laughs> over and play. <laughs> hey, play. Can you even can can you even imagine it? Like, because well, I thought like this yeah. is daft. Well, and, they, they, out, and I was like, you know, this is probably this is this is probably because you were uh, in the time that you weren't paying attention. You didn't realize the kind of how big things were getting or how big things had got for kind of that. Style, like style of music, you know, you just and then you're exposed to it and think, fuck no, this is I could have never imagined the kind of it's weird. That is a weird feeling, like because you're not gonna know Newcastle. It's only when you go What's away that on? you notice that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like when we used to when we started playing in London a bit more, and then like we played like one gig somewhere, and it was like, you know, it was like over a couple of hundred people or something, and then we were like, hmm, we should be getting more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, not just like 20 quid 30 quid well I mean we did for ages so <laughs> oh, no. it still kept going on yeah. especially with that sort of stuff like you know you have to you have to say really like but with the, with the road burns and that it was crazy like and I, I don't know how we got to play there like three times not in a row like but yeah. every other year like they, they did us a lot of favours actually like really nice and they didn't have to actually you know hats off to them really like well, they released the, uh, the live records, didn't they? Uh, they did that box set. Like, they come yeah, out with all the live gigs, on not That's pretty full, pretty full on, isn't it, really? Well, to be honest, I mean, to be honest, they, they were a lot. Of, they, they released like most of the the gigs, sort of thing, and um, yeah, and also the way I sort of like I made it easy for them in a way because I think when you're doing a box set with most bands, I think they try to make it as special as possible. And like, you know, like with pullouts and yeah. these bits and stuff. And I said, look, just make it like really easy for you because we're like a minimal band anyway, right? Just have it so it's a bong logo. And then inside you have the pictures of the artworks that are screen printed on each bit. And, and that's it, really. There's not really much else to talk about. Yeah. You know, like, so I tried to make it as easy as possible for them, really, as well. Like, just to say, like, you know, like not be like, because I mean, you see some of the box sets come out, and you're like, God, that looks like a lot of work, right? Yeah, you know, and and everything's like pre-printed and they're really expensive. And generally, like if you release a box set on the label, it's kind of like a death, really, unless mm-hmm. unless you're releasing like something that's gonna go like. So, yeah. but I think I think it did all right actually, like. So, but I think because it was done in a three, because he wanted to, I think they wanted to release each of them separately. And I just thought, ah, yeah. you might as well, because they already released one of them. The first one we did, that got released on a record. And then I was like, well, we might as well just release them all. Like, it just seems like a shame to have them. So you might as well do like a box set or something. Yeah. And to be honest, he was up for it. I mean, it took a while to do like, you know, it took him like two years after we talked about it for it to actually 
start to become a thing. Like, you know? yeah. I mean, put it this way: like, even if Bong sold like a million copies, I think most labels would still be like, "We'll get on the Bong." Mm. Yeah, like, we're, not exactly, we're not exactly pulling in the diamonds. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway, well, you compared to like a yard box set, oh, or yeah. like. Or like you know, if Voivod wanted to release something, you know, also, yeah. I mean, like which I can totally people, understand. People would get it you know? and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much like bong. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're like, oh, I need to get that new bong record. Like, I think bong records generally when they come out, people people will buy them straight away, but they're like a they're a pretty slow burn. Like bong records, like like they will sell out eventually, but like. And it's not like we get a lot of press either, really. There's still people don't know what they're talking about. Like when they're like, oh, Bong sounds like a metal band, but it's not. And I'm like, oh my God, 15 years later, and people still have no like, idea. <laughs> they could just just try something else. Try something else. You know, just, I don't know. It just seems like... Stoner. I don't, yeah, Stoner. Stoner band. Stoner Rock. Well, Stoner, Stoner Rock. Yeah, yeah, you had the Stoner Rock album, didn't you? The, the word I, Stoner Rock. Stoner Rock. Right? Yeah, what was the <laughs> what was the thought? What was the idea behind that title? What was the idea? What was the concept? I'm just well, I can imagine well, the, maybe. Oh, there's a concept. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's, a, oh, there's Carry definitely on. a concept. Continue. Right. Well, basically, it's it's like well, basically because of like when the idea of like Stone a Rock would be like by that point it'd be like quite tight bands, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Caius grooves. Well, I mean Caius are are, are totally are totally mint anyway. But oh, like, yeah, you know, I but love Caius. Yeah, class, class man. America, it's a mint man. But it but it was more just along the lines of like trying to set like uh, there's so many stoner rock bands that are garbage. Like like oh, yeah. to the point to point where you're like, I can't believe these bands are, they're still coming out today. Like I seen a band called like Wizard truck or oh. something the other day and i was but, like are you joking me it's like bong like, wiz- bong wizard or like wizard goblin or bong it's all like a, a set of uh, like words and that you get like a, a band name generator and a sound but the thing generator is, but but it's just sort of like those galloping riffs and that and just yeah. all that sort of stuff and that you just like instantly like oh so it was more just along the lines of like making the most uh, droned out record possible of so much little variation in that. It's basically and, one and song, isn't it? In, well, it's two songs, technically. Two songs. Oh, right. the, the same. <laughs> well, <laughs> more or less. I mean, most, yeah. well, you could, you could argue, like, I mean, Polaris, the main song on it, like, we still play that at gigs, that's class, like, mm-hmm. it's the one with the huge gaps in it and that. The problem is with Stone and Rock record, right? The, the problem is with that, which is a shame, is is that like the mix and the mastering's not great on it. Yeah. Like that record's really quiet. I think if I was recording Bong, I'd just throw up like room mics. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's just it's it's not just that though, it's just like how you manage each of the tracks as well, and like what you bring out in order to define it. You know what I mean? Because it is all quite subtle, like. Yeah. So if you're doing EQing on stuff, you really got to be careful what you're doing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, your dynamics get lost, if you're just kind of like yep. flattening everything and 
Well, that, that's exactly what happened. So that's kind of what happened with Stone and Rock. Like, if you listen to the record, it's so quiet, like so, so quiet. Mm. And like that's that's the. I mean, it wasn't particularly that fun to record, like, because it was just like a headache with everyone in there. Yeah. But like, but because it was like five people in the band at that point, like. Um, recording bong and then how does that compare with because you joined it would have been guitarist in 11 paranoias but you were you played a bit in ramses before that i well. did i yeah. yeah that's right yeah so that was like yeah so well i was already i was already doing 11 paranoias actually sort of and then i got the ramses were going away to do a tour and I think they're, they're standing guitarists because they've had a few guitarists and stuff like fill in for Tim over the years. And like, uh, they just said, do I want to do it and that? And I was like, oh yeah, great. And then I was like, oh, these songs are hard. Like, you know, yeah. so that, that, that took me a while to get that. Like, took me like two weeks of pretty much solidly practicing. I never practiced so hard in my life. <laughs> like, because I don't really, yeah. you know. So like, that was like, but that, that sort of like improved things a bit with my playing anyway. Definitely helped us sort of like sort of learn how to bridge stuff like a lot. Like, because they had like these, like they weren't exactly like difficult songs, but for some reason they were quite hard to play for me. I think it's just because I'd spent most of the time just playing whatever I wanted. Yeah. You know, like it yeah. had got to that point, like really. And then after that tour, that's when we recorded those two EPs with 11 Paranoids. That's really good recording in that band, like, because everyone's just like really good musicians. Like Adam's yeah. been playing bass for like years and years. He knows sound production really well. Mm-hmm. But then, but with them Paranazzo, we're recording, right? Like it's always meant because, like, you know, we can use stuff like, and Adam's just like he's been around so much different types of music, even though he's only into like sort of like the heavy stuff generally. Yeah. Like he, and, and Nathan, who who replaced uh, Mark, our wizard. Yeah, because you, like you said you played initially, uh, you played with that lineup, and it was interesting what you were saying about his drums as well, his cymbals. Right, he had like, uh, Mark has like 40 inch ride cymbals that he uses as crash cymbals. <laughs> he's like a, he's like, he's like a, what would you call it? Like a tree surgeon of a drummer. <laughs> tree surgeon of a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> he used to he used to punch some of these sticks, and he used to have like uh, the thickest sticks he could buy. Yeah, he was mint. I mean, totally different drummer than Nathan, like. But uh, but Mark, uh, we didn't play any gigs from Mark with Lemper and I. So I played gigs with Mark when it was in Ramesses, or so I did feel the full power. I think yeah. I had tetanus, tetanus for like a week or two yeah. weeks after. Mm-hmm. Just from your symbols, really, like, yeah. like, uh, but like, uh, right. So, but then Mark left because he rejoined Wizard, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. like, he got the offer in, but we hadn't done any gigs anywhere with Empire Night, so we just started out and we'd done those two EPs with him. Oh man, super unnatural and uh, spectral bestiaries, right? And them, them, <laughs> them two. Uh, were recorded in the like on the same day sort of thing. So realistically, with Lemparnes, I only really had a couple of practices with Mark, and we'd mm-hmm. recorded when we did it. So that was the extent of that. So I never really. It would have been nice actually to like do a proper album with Mark, just yeah. to cement it in there. And and he he was he was dead funny, Mark. Or like he was class. 
And like after and after and after which playing with Ramesses at some shows and that I did feel concussed. Like you probably could trust yourself being a, that playing like that. Was... Yeah. So like, you know, after we played in that when when we were sat in the back and that Adam would just be lying on the floor and that just being like class. And I'd be in my ears would be ringing and it would feel like I was concussed, like I was totally disorientated and that. Yeah. Just like the, the way that he was hit the drums and that. It was very distinctive. But like, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people have tried to mimic him really, but can't. I think it's just what's built in him. But he is like Keith Moon, like for real. Like, you know, like like that's like what he's like, like as a person. <laughs> as a person. <laughs> like he, he, okay. he, scared, he scared me at times. Like he was just like, yeah. I was like, wow, you really are like, like, like living like like a rock star, <laughs> and so, I just feel like I just want some herbal tea and I sit down. Yeah. So, eleven paranoia was more of a together, less kind of crazy. To start with. Thing, yeah. Just to, to start with, alright. Well, because then it's sort of like because then then Mark left. And then we had some gigs sorted. We were supposed to be playing a festival in Oxford or something. Something mental. I mean, it's a long time ago now. And then we yeah. got Nathan in. And Nathan has been in bands like Labrat and using like, oh, he was in like loads of punk bands. And we played in like Capricorns. Remember them? Remember like a band with like Dean Berry or whatever? Yeah, I remember vaguely. I remember that band as well. And he was in like Labrat. A band who were like a Kerrang favourite for a while. Oh, I remember, when I was I remember them remember on their uh, Terrorizer yeah. compilations. Yeah, that's right. They were on the like, band. And he was in, he's just been in like so many bands, man. And he's like an amazing drummer, but he's mostly like a thrash drummer, really, and a hardcore punk drummer and metal drummer, you know what I mean? So he's yeah. like, and he's really, he's tiny skilled, like. So we've been sort of like trying to slow him, we started trying to slow him down and that. And it took like an album to do it really. Like yeah. we started writing stuff for them and he was quite up tempo really, but then he sung into it and that. He was a good fit actually, Nath, because he used to be a booking agent as well. Like he used to, or no, he was a tour manager for like Wizard and a few other people and stuff. So he was like, he sort of like, he was just like, you know, he just, he, he was just up for it like. And he's like pretty organized fella. So then we started doing the albums and that. And that was it really. Like. And I used to spend a lot of time in London going down really and playing because we were eleven partners were doing quite a few gigs if I remember rightly. Yeah. Right. And then right. and then Nathan joined the band. But in the studio with them, it's great though, because like everyone's just so accomplished for what they're doing that you you don't really have to worry about it. Like, you know, like you just kind of like, you know, you play your bit, you play together, you know, you do this, you do some solos here and then. Yeah. Whatever sort of you do, they always jump on in that. And they're just really responsive as well in the studio. I know this sounds like kind of like just how you should be, but yeah. based on how I've been in the past with recording albums, mm -hmm. oh, I'll do that if you're doing this and that. It just keeps yeah. you going. It's nothing yeah. worse than feeling like tired from other people's tiredness in the studio. It's like really mess things up. You all need to be working full licks until the day is finished, really. Yeah. And be into it and be excited about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Keeps, yeah, I swear to God, if I could, yeah. I swear to God, if I could play drums, I would just be, I would do <laughs> everything in my band. Well, <laughs> good drummers is always like the eternal, hard to find. 
the eternal oh, problem. It's like it's impossible, you know. And then they all they all nine times out of ten they're just like there's something different about people who play the drums, I think. Like yeah, mentally the way they're made yeah. up, it's kind of different people. I suppose that's a good yeah. me- it's a good measure of how of how things diff- can be totally diff- different. different. Different people can be, yeah. Um, but it's the same. It's the same with like Melton Hand as well when we go in and record. Like Melton Hand's a lot more improvised than that partner is. I mean, we do have improvised parts, but generally, like Melton Hand's a lot more improvised. And it's the same with them. They're just up for it. Tom, the drummer, he was in Gum Takes Tooth, and that he's a great drummer. He's like mm-hmm. he's he's almost like a metronome. He's like Graham and that. Yeah. He's just like on it all the time, but he sways a lot. Tom. Tom's like, you know, he's used to like experimental stuff, so he's not so wedged in there he sort of like can flex with songs and that mm-hmm. so like we'll melt in hand and that like it's a shame because I, I love doing that band probably the most out of all of them I think um, you know the, you mentioned Graham, uh, Graham, Graham Thompson which is the latest collaboration or uh, collab- collaborative, yep. collaborative efforts top stuff is, top I, stuff I, I couldn't well it was it's to explain how you do it or the, the processes, because it's a uh, it's a it's a file, it's a modern, you know, uh, modern age band, really. That's all remote. Yeah. To be honest, though, I've been doing like remote albums for the past two years, actually. Mm-hmm. Like I did another album like last year where I did it all remotely. That's not the hand record I did. That's where I just sent in the guitars to get mixed from my house and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but with the Ozo thing anyway, I'll, I'll tell you. Right, go on, what are you saying? Um, just Oblivion Reptile, that's what I had down. Oh, yeah. That was your... uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Was called, uh, yeah. What was it called again? Oblivion. Can, can, no, can you remember the band name of the album? Try, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> it was, uh, no, I remember the name of the album. It was called Fried on Rock. Yeah. It was like a play, play on a reptile in the desert, getting fried out on a rock and that. But uh, it was like, it was. Oblivion, oblivion, reptilian, but uh, but but that that was a that was a problem name in that it was a problem name in that band actually because I used to get that confused over like which one was which, like whether it was reptilian, oblivion, or oblivion, reptilian, and that. So it took me a while to decide. I was like, oh, it's going to be oblivion, reptilian. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay, Spent like a week writing it down on paper, going, does that look right? That looks right to me. That looks wrong. But that was done remotely. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So so the guy lived in Australia mm-hmm. and uh, he was in a band called Coma Cosa and we did a split with him, a blown out. And I got taught to him yeah. and just said, I was like, you know, you want to send me some drum tracks and that I could write an album. And uh, I think he had like a studio in his house. So he just said, all right. And then he sent them, um, he sent the drum tracks and that, and then I just started putting bass on them and that. You know what I mean? Just to tighten it up a bit. Yeah. And then that was it. And then I just started adding guitars, sort of mixing it that way, really, just back and forward. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, once it sounds really hard, right? But it depends on, like, it all depends on like the, how good the musician is. Like for instance, right, the reason why Ozo works really well like this, right, is because yeah. Graham is a genius, right? Oh yeah. Now he can write a song in his head from start to finish by staring at a wall, 
Yeah. Like, I, I just don't understand how people can do this. And the fact that he plays bass and guitar better than me. <laughs> he, plays, he plays all instrument. He plays all instruments better than every, everyone in the it's band can play the instruments. It must do his head in. It must do his head in. Because he's just sat there going, I could play that better. Sometimes I'm, I'm wondering if he's like, you know, because that ball peen like what I come out meant like come out yeah. on cool nature or whatever. It's yeah. mind blown. It's mind blown. Like, and I'm just like, I wonder what he really thinks of Ozo. Does he just think like? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, he did it. He's done it. Yeah. But I mean, but like, but it's it's to do with like the style of musician. Like, for instance, if a drummer can write a song, that'll help a lot. Because like really oh, with yeah. Ozo, it's, it starts yeah. with a drum drum track. Yeah, and then I just play along to the drum track, and then we just add the sax as it goes. So we just because, send you the drum yeah. tracks, and you just yeah, well, and then I'll just and then I'll just die. Wow. and then I'll just I'll just record the bass lines over the the drums, and then mm-hmm. send bounces to Carl, and then get him to record sax in his house in his bathroom and that, and yeah. then. And then he'll just send that back down. I mean, the thing is, oh, Graham, like, he's not just a good musician, though. He's a great mixer and master and all this sort of stuff. Mm. So it's like, like, he's just, uh, and also he's like a control freak as well. So that would. It's always good to have someone who's a <laughs> so control that, freak in a band, I think. Well, because I am as well, but I'm kind of loose with it. Like, I'm a control freak with, like, getting stuff done. Like, if someone says, oh, can you put some guitar on here and blah, 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 I'll do it in a couple of days. I won't wait a month. And then yeah. send you something that's half fast. I'll be like, I'll you know, I'll get it to you pretty quick and that, and I'll do exactly what you're saying. That so, and to agree with, I mean, trying to tell really, I do have a certain standard, like being a band with, like if you're gigging that, I'm like, get on the merch and that, let's get this money, la la la, like get cracking, you know, like this and the other, this blokes, this bloke. So, like, in a way, I'm kind of a control freak in that way, where I'm always sort of like trying to push forward what we're doing or working on another album when the the first album's getting pressed up and then I'm always like, oh, for the next one, this will be good. But with Graham and that, he's sort of like, you know, he likes he likes things sounding, you know, like how he wants them to sound. And to be honest, if I'm in a band with someone and someone goes, I want to do the mix, I'm like, oh, get in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because normally it's like me. If I'm doing like another project or something outside yeah. of like Mount Land or Lembronas or something, generally if I'm working with people, it is normally like, so like, oh well, I'll just do it, like because nobody else seems to be bothered. <laughs> yeah. So, but with yeah. with Greg Graham and that, he was like, I respect his uh, his drive and that. Yeah. Although, like, I think he was quite surprised because we're we're gonna work on the next one now, and he's kind of like, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of like, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, like for me, it's not that bad. You're the one that's gonna go in and do all the drum, <laughs> you know, like. So I can just be like, let's do another one. And for me, it just means that, oh, well, I've got to like set up the bass thing again. It's not exactly that hard. And yeah. then, you know, just work on and write songs and that, which I like doing anyway. But with him, it's like a bit more on that. So I think he was a bit like, I think we'll wait till like October to yeah. go in and do stuff and that. So I, I would which just, is fine. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, just to, I'm surprised, I, mean, I am surprised he went for it though, because it is like sort of like really experimental. And if you look at it, the bass lines and stuff that I play are quite simple, really. You know, I kept it all quite harmonic so that it was easy for Carl to improvise his sax leads over it. Like, for instance, if I'm going to be writing direct riffs, right, 
like on in the baseline with loads of changes or something and loads of things, it's going to be hard for Carl to sort of improvise because generally the best way to improvise is over a solid few notes, right? Like, so, you know, like Candy and all that sort of stuff, they're just stuck on the same beat for a while and that helps people improvise over the top of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you're sort of like sporadically playing or you're playing like quite a tight bass line with drums and lots of changes and odd chord changes or whatever, like, you, you know, you, it's like, it's hard for someone probably like Carl to be able to play over the top. And I wanted sort of like the sax to be sort of like the main thing. You know, like I wanted it to be like the sax was creating all the melody rather than the guitars and the bass and stuff, just because that's what I normally do. Like all my records are just drenched in guitars all the time, which is fine. But, you know, everyone likes to change from now and again. And I thought it would suit things with Graham as well because he's in the, you know, like he's like, a, he looks at music probably like in the same way where he's thinking about space and headroom and stuff. So I sort of like brought everything way back on doing these albums. Like he was the one that told us to play guitar in the record. I wasn't going to. I was just going to play bass and that was it. And he was like, no, I think you should put some guitar on. And I was like, yeah, right. So, so it was like, you know, so, you know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> well, this leads into um, you just solo stuff, I suppose. You know, uh, got the bands and everything, but then just you and like why you continue the the focus on that and doing the projects and like doing bong still and like what keeps you, I don't know, motivated, active, like to train. We just got to, like, if I don't, I just sort of get depressed if I don't work on stuff. I felt that for a long time, where it's just like, if I'm not making something, I just feel as if I'm, like, wasting my time or something. Like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, really. Like, I just feel better when I'm making stuff, you know, and just, like, making music and that. And, like, and and also it's sort of, like, just, I don't know, I, I couldn't explain it really. Some people say I'm prolific, right? But I know loads more people that are way more prolific than me and better. And I just feel sometimes that, like, when it's and it can be, it can be, a, it can be a, a problem actually, because once you become so prolific and that people don't really know where to start with your music and just move on, because it's the way people digest music now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not, they're not like people have like the the, the uh, concentration of like a like a fly so it's like unless it hits hard straight away then you know most people are listening to music on YouTube now so they'll only be listening to like one song off an album which is probably a single Yeah. so really like the idea of having an album as a concept and that is kind of drowned out and all my albums are conceptually based to a degree I don't think you'd be able to pull out a single in my back catalogue Yeah. you know whereas that's sort of like how people are like inclined now to listen to albums I suppose so but with making stuff it's just how I've always done it really like I just would have thought after like about 10 years of doing it I might have had a few more opportunities but I'm still so like (laughs) you know I'd like to be to be honest I want to do more collaborations with people because now what's going on is it's like you can't get any gigs obviously and things are really bad and you can't go out and that and yeah. What I want to be doing is is I want to be doing collaborations with people because with like-minded people that work remotely. Yeah.